Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. All right, if you would open your Bibles to Joshua. Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. This is God's Word. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then old and well advanced in years, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the great sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now I am going to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all the evil he has threatened until he has destroyed you from this good land he has given you, if you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. 
May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Did we really need the negative part? I mean, he just said some really nice, wonderful, encouraging stuff. He's about to die. He's saying goodbye. And first he tells him, you know, God's been good and you've been blessed and God's promises are true. And then he basically tells him, but don't forget one of the promises is God will destroy you if you don't do what he said. Do we really need that? Yes, we need that. We need to understand that God's word is a two-edged sword. That it's not just blessing and promise and light and, you know, God is able. That's true, but God is not only able to bless and encourage and save and rescue and heal and forgive and deliver. God is able to smite and destroy and people who think that they can continue as God's enemies and it'll all end well are fools. And people who live as if there is no God are fools. And tragically, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, broad is the way that leads to destruction and many travel on it. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Now there are a lot of folks who get really distressed if you try and press that point. Because they want to point out there is a wideness in God's mercy. There is a wideness in God's mercy. He says, whosoever will may come. It is absolutely amazing. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's true. But what is the universal response of unregenerate people to that gracious invitation from God? Young and old, rich and poor, educated and uneducated people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation universally respond to God and his offer of grace by saying, no way, no thanks, leave me alone, I want to be my own boss. That is the natural response of man. That's the way we're bent. That's because we're dead in trespasses and sins. We're not just marred, we're not just wounded, we're not just, you know, not all we could be. We're dead in trespasses and sins. Our best stuff, our righteousness, is as filthy rags in God's sight. So where is their hope? If that is the response that comes naturally to all people, where is the hope? Well, the hope is the Bible tells us about God taking away the heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. The Bible talks about God taking the blinders off of our eyes and enabling us to see. The Bible talks about God quickening us and people being born of the Spirit. I used to think when I was a little kid that basically if you do this, you will be born again. But if you go back and you look in John chapter 3, what it says is unless you're born again, you're not going to do that. Unless God's Spirit gives you new life. 
your response will be the natural response of people everywhere. That's why Jesus says twice in John 3 that you need to be born again because unless you're born again, you cannot perceive, when it says you cannot see the kingdom of God, the word there is to perceive, recognize. You can't perceive the kingdom of God and furthermore, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Those are the two things he says about it, and that's why we need new birth. Unless we are born of the Spirit, born from above, we will not recognize the kingdom of God. We cannot enter the kingdom of God. So God is the one who has to do a work of salvation, and that is why it is entirely to God's praise and not to ours. So God gets all the praise, all the glory, all the honor because he is the one who rescues people like me who don't deserve it. Now with that in mind, look at this passage here as Joshua is beginning his farewell to the leaders. First of all, he says, I am old and well advanced in years. That's verse 2. And you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Okay? Point number one. He says, I'm old. He knows he's about to die. He wants them to know, you don't need me. Your success is not predicated on me. You need God. He's the one who fought for you. He's the one who gave you success. And so Joshua's farewell is to point them to God and say, depend on him. I know, I'm old, I'm well advanced in years, I'm fading away. But our hope is not. You don't need to be worried, you don't need to be nervous, you don't need to be upset just because one of these days I won't be here anymore. You need to put your trust in the living God because He is the one who has done these things for you. He fought for you. You know, you, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. You understand that? Salvation is the Lord's doing. Whatever our involvement was in the great works that God accomplished is not something to boast about. God is the one who fought for us. God is the one who has rescued us. God is the one who has blessed us. And all the glory, laud, and honor belong to Him alone. Abiding in Christ is paid for by the generous donations of listeners like you. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. You can make a donation online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is Then he says, remember how I've allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. He says, I, I just want to remind you, even though you haven't completely seen 
all the foreigners and pagans driven out yet. That land has already been entrusted to you. We talked about this previously. There are things that God has promised that you have not yet entered into. Doesn't mean the promises aren't true. Doesn't mean you can't receive your inheritance. It simply means you have not yet experienced in the here and now that which God has already promised as yours. But he says, don't forget. It's already been divvied up. It's not like if the pagans are still living on the land, then I guess it's not our land after all. Yes, it is. And you and I have to learn to take back the ground in our lives that the enemy has sought to occupy. And say, that does not belong. That sin, that habit, that attitude, that doesn't belong. God is my Lord, my refuge, my King. I'm trusting in Him, I'm going to do what He says. And that's the way we need to live. So, He says, remember, I've allotted the land as an inheritance for your tribes, all the lands of the nations that remain. The Lord, verse 5, the Lord your God Himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you and you'll take possession of the land as the Lord your God promised you. That is the positive. That's the way it's going to be. Believe God. Press forward. Do what God says. It's going to be great. Be very strong. Be very careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside. And don't associate with these nations that remain among you. Don't invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. You are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The problem they had was they were living in a place where they felt like the newbies, they were the recent arrivals, relatively speaking. And these other people were saying, we've been here for generations. This is our place. And if they weren't careful, they were going to begin succumbing to peer pressure and try and fit in, be like the neighbors. Because if they take their eyes off the Lord and their responsibility to obey Him and be His people and be conformed to His likeness, reflecting His glory, they're going to start acting like the people around them. There's just a natural human tendency to want to learn to fit in where you are. When my kids used to hear me answer the phone and start to speak with an Egyptian accent, they knew I was talking to Michael Yusuf, my prayer partner. Okay? And if I'm talking with certain people locally, I sound different than when I'm talking to people from New York or Boston or the Midwest or California. It's not all the same everywhere. And we just, I don't do it deliberately. I just kind of slide in. I've got a musical ear and I just kind of slide into conformity to whoever I'm trying to talk with. I even can sound a little bit like I'm Hispanic at times. But um, it, it, it all depends on who you're trying to connect with. Well, the danger is if the people you're trying to connect with are pulling you in the direction of hell. You understand? Accents are one thing, but lifestyle is another. 
And we can get sucked into a lifestyle of sexual immorality, immodesty, sports idolatry, greed, any number of things just trying to fit in because I guess that's, that's what you do around here. And you've got to stop and think, is this really right? Does this honor God? Is this what God's called me to? Or do I need to turn away from that? Well, I don't want to be lonely. I want to be popular. I want to build relationships with people. Folks, you've got to first and foremost love the Lord your God. And don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Doesn't mean you can't be polite to people. Doesn't mean you have to preach to everybody at all times about what they're doing wrong. The most effective thing you can do is do what's right and let them ask why. You are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Then he reminds them again in verse 9. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you. What does that mean? One of you routs a thousand? It means one Israelite was able to put a thousand of the enemy to flight. But I want you to understand something. The reason for the victory of the Israelites in this situation was not because they were smarter. It was not because they were better. It was because the Lord had declared that they were to be the winner. They were the ones to whom God was giving the land. And God told them, don't think it's because you're smarter, better, or more righteous than the people around you. The reason for your victory, the reason that one could defeat a thousand, put them to flight, was because he says the Lord has fought for you. Folks, do you really count on the Lord to win the battle? Are you really trusting in Him for the victory? Or do you carry it as if it all relies on you? God is the only one who can really grant us the victory we need. If you think you've got to accomplish it in your strength, you will fail. But if you depend upon the Lord, then you will see victory. This is victory just as he promised, verse 10. So, be very careful to love the Lord your God. To love the Lord your God. Look at verse 6. Be very strong. Be careful to obey. Verse 11. So be careful to love the Lord your God. Which is it? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. They go together. Do you understand? Don't tell God you love him, but you're just not going to do what he says. But don't try and obey God except as an expression of love for God. We should be careful, very careful, verse 11, to love the Lord your God. So how does that fit with what follows in verse 12 and following? Because in verse 12 and following, he says, I want you to be sure of this. If you don't do what God says, he'll destroy you. First of all, 
God is God. He is the creator of all things. He is the ruler of all things. And if he decided, I'm just going to destroy the whole planet and all the people on it, there would be nothing unjust in God having given that verdict. When God chose to save Noah, it was because he chose to save Noah. It wasn't because, well, I'd like to destroy everybody, but I really can't destroy Noah and his family because they are so good. Well, now, doesn't it say in the text that Noah was a righteous man in his generation? Yes, in his generation, relatively speaking, he was a righteous man. But if you want to get some context on that, remember what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. There is no one good except God. So, if you turn away, and you ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs, and thorns in your eyes. I once had a paper cut on my eyeball. Let me just tell you, you do not want to cut your eye. Okay, that's a bad place to hurt. These pagans, if you start intermarrying with them, if you start treating them as if they belong there and that you're the same, they're going to be thorns in your eyes. You're going to be so miserable. Let me tell you, sin ends miserably. Miserably. If you think, well, you know, this isn't so bad. Hey, you're just getting started. The day will come when you will be so miserable in sin. Every drug and alcohol addict that I have dealt with over the years started out having a good time. But after a while, drunkenness is something God forbids, and those who pursue good times that way will end up miserable. Absolutely miserable. And so he concludes, now I'm about to go the way all the earth. But you know with all your heart that, and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. So what's the takeaway? Trust in the Lord. Just as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring on you all the evil he has threatened until he's destroyed you from this good land he's given you if you don't do what he said. He will destroy those who remain his enemies. That's a promise. All of us, all of us start out as his enemy. But whoever trusts in him is not only forgiven, but reconciled, made new. Those who do not obey the Son, John chapter 3, do not have life, but the wrath of God abides on them. I said it recently, I'll say it again. There's not a contradiction between the Old Testament and the New. In the Old Testament, 
The God who is God is the God who sent His Son to save those who trust in Jesus. And those who trust in Him will be saved. Those who don't, those who refuse Him, those who don't love Him, those who say, no, I want to be my own God, I want to do my own thing, I want to have it my way, there is no hope. All of us were at one time in that condition. Now, thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus, we can have eternal life. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.